Blog Talk Radio. Monday night, July 24th. I'm your host, Robbie J.R., alongside my co-host, Vinny the Shark, tonight. Um, Big Mike, he has the night off. He's at a charity event out on Long Island, but he's going to give us a call in a little bit. He's got a rant he prepared for us as well. Let's give us a couple minutes um, on fantasy baseball. And, of course, Goon, he's our producer at the controls. And, as always, we want you guys to get involved, and you sure did last week on social media and on the show, giving us a couple of callers last week. It was great to talk to Nas and Jeff. Um, you guys blew up our Twitter feed, and we uh, had our most active social media week ever, and we hope to continue that. We had tons of good debate and discussions and uh, a couple of good questions. Big Mike got a lot of props from me, man. He was all over it. He's not on the show tonight, but he did his work this week on social media, answering a lot of questions, giving some good fantasy baseball advice. So continue to follow us at Over the Top Sports on Twitter. Um, and keep it up. Keep tweeting us and give us a follow if you have yet to. Like I said, Over the Top Sport on Twitter. Um, and if you want some even more fun than that, give us a call, 646-716-5403. That's 646-716-5403. Hit us up because tonight there is a ton to talk about. We're going to talk UFC, a big event this past weekend on Long Island, and another big event coming up this weekend in Anaheim. We're going to talk a little bit of boxing because there was a little bit of debate on Twitter this week about some boxing. So if you want to talk boxing, give us a call. We'll talk that too. We're going to talk the NFL training camp underway this week. Vinny and I will be breaking down the AFC West after the first break, and we'll talk a little bit of fantasy football. But, Vinny, we're going to start with baseball. Uh, Trading deadline is next week, a week from today, actually. Some huge deals already made. Uh, Vinny, last week we talked the White Sox had just traded Jose Quintana across town to Chicago. And then your boys, the Yankees, made the next big deal. Um, They got Frazier, Robertson, Canely, and only gave up a prospect in Tyler Clippard. So um, you have to be uh, happy with that haul, Vin. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we didn't give up any top prospects at all, but look at the White Sox. They just keep getting younger and younger. This team is just stacked with prospects. They, uh, the Yankees had the best farm system. There's no doubt the White Sox are the best farm system. Uh, they're just doing a great job loading up on prospects, and that's what they got to do. That's how you rebuild. And that was just the first domino to fall, um, and it's going to keep going on. The Braves made a trade today, giving up Jaime Garcia to the Twins. That was a trade we talked about you know, a little bit last week. On Friday, it was supposedly done. Instead, he goes out, pitches for the Braves, beats the Dodgers in L.A., hits a grand slam against them, and L.A. is where we go next, Vinny. Um, There's been a couple injuries, none bigger than Clayton Kershaw. Today announced he'll be out for four to six weeks um, in Los Angeles. They lost McCarthy as well to the DL. They're in good shape in the standings, but this is a team that's built to win now. They're ready to win now. They are the best team in the National League. I think they need to go out there and make a huge push for you, Darvish, I'm not so sure that Sonny Gray is the guy that they need, but they need as much help as they can get. Uh, Vin, if you're out there and you're uh, running the Dodgers, what kind of move are you making? Or are you standing still and saying, we have a big lead, we're not going to give everything up? Once we get a healthy Kershaw, we're going to be just as good as we are now. Yeah, it's not quite panic time for the Dodgers. And obviously they only have about a week to uh, figure out what they want to do here. They can't see if they're going to struggle without these two pitchers going on. But um, Ryu is in and out of the DL. They 
probably should go after another arm. And, you know, if they could get a guy like you, Darvish, that really might put them to the next step and really make them the NL favorite to win the uh, go to the World Series. I think they uh, have I to do try it. To, yeah, I think they, if they could get a guy like Darvish, maybe even Sonny Gray, one of those two guys, that they could get an arm in there because uh, they'd easily be the next guy after Kershaw. Uh, well, maybe not with the way Alex Wood's going right now, but having those three in the top of your rotation in the playoffs, that's dangerous. I would go after an arm if I was them. Well, I think that it's I think that they're in dire straits right now. Like I said before, this is a team that has to win right now. They have not won a World Series in almost 30 years. Um, they're built to win. They're 68 and 31, I think, after 100 games. That's a crazy pace. Uh, they barely lose. Uh, it, they're built to win, but in the playoffs, you need that number one pitcher, and it doesn't hurt if your number two is a guy like you, Darvish. If you have Kershaw and Darvish, they've got the bullpen. They've got the young guns hitting. They've got a good a good lineup. I'm not so sure I trust their pitching. Them and the Nationals, in my eye, have been one of those, uh, two of those teams that great in the regular season and kind of choke in the postseason. So I think that if you can get a guy like Darvish that's big, uh, Sonny Gray to a much lesser extent, a lot of teams putting out there for him. I don't think he's that great. He didn't have a good year last year. He's a good pitcher, good solid pitcher, but I'm not giving up a top prospect unless it's a guy like if unless I'm a team like the Dodgers that can go out there and have him help us win a World Series. I think they need to get better than him, but they definitely need to make a move. And of course, with these injuries with him, uh, Kershaw and Korea, there's going to be some impact in the fantasy leagues. And as you guys head towards the playoffs, um you got to make up some some ground and you've got to Help yourselves because if you lost Correa and Kershaw like I did in the same league, you got to pick up the right guys to keep pace, maybe make up some ground or hold a lead for a playoff spot. So I had Mike send in a couple of things, and uh, he's not going to have time to get to it on the show. So I'm going to read it off to you right now. A couple of guys that he says that could help you in fantasy are Brent Suter. Uh, he says he's 23% owned in Yahoo. Uh, terrific so far for the Brewers. Um, he would start him without hesitation. How about Luis Castillo? Not of Mets Yankees fame, of course. Uh, 22% owned. Uh, Two-week start for the kid, even though he gets the Yankees Tuesday. He's got electric stuff. Uh, Mike says he reminds you of a Jose Fernandez type, and I hope that he's a little bit smarter off the field. And then Charlie uh-huh. Morton, uh, 40% owned on Yahoo. He gets the Phillies this week. Uh, great shot to get you a nice, uh, quick, easy win. Uh, but Mike says he doesn't like just pitching. He's got a couple hitters. If you need a battle, Dubal Herrera. 5% owned. He's hitting 400 over the last two weeks. Nick Williams, he's hitting just under that at 385 over the last two weeks and only owned in 11% of leagues. And, of course, Marcus Simeon. Uh, if you lost Correa, well, you know, he's a, you know been very good too. He's got a couple of steals. He's hitting over 300. He could be a sneaky pickup. And, as always, guys, make sure to follow us on Twitter, at Over the Top Sport, because Mike has been really awesome with some of this fantasy baseball advice. He's nailed down a bunch of these pickups. He's given a ton of good advice to listeners and players on Twitter. So follow him, ask him any questions, and he'll get back to you within an hour usually. So uh, one thing I want to ask you, Vinny, uh, take a look at the betting angle. Do you think that any of the odds are going to shift now, whether it be in the NL or the, or the World Series odds with this Kershaw injury being out until September? I can't imagine it's swishing too much because Strasburg just got hurt for the Nats too. So it's kind of like two aces down in a way. And uh, those are they're still the two best teams in the NL, you know? Uh, so I can't really see too much of the betting changing. And like I said last week, the Cubs' odds don't really change. They still give the Cubs as odds as if they're, you know, going to the World Series. It's like they never lost or anything, and they're not in second. Like, they're not struggling. They want people betting the Cubs, and they're just not delivering. They lost to the White Sox today. Um, so I don't really see odds changing too much. Um, obviously, they're not going to see Kershaw odds, like minus 400, like we saw last weekend. That got a lot of Braves betters excited, if there were any in the world. Definitely more Kershaw betters nerves for betting him than him leaving in the second inning, but the Dodgers did prevail. 
But, yeah, I don't see the odds shifting too crazy, Rob. It would have to take a long struggle, a couple of big losing streaks to change anything too drastically. And you brought up the Cubs. I mean, it seemed like they kind of got their swagger back, regardless of their loss today against the White Sox, which is pretty funny because the White Sox have been selling everybody, and they go into the, to Chicago, or they're already in Chicago, but they go to Wrigley Field today. They get the win over the Cubs to start that weekend series in Chicago. Um, the Cubs, Cubs got their swagger back. I think that they're a team that can be a little bit sneaky, and they can sneak up on a team like Washington if they get them uh, in that first round of the playoffs. Obviously, the Cubs, it looks like, they're only half game right now behind Milwaukee. If the Cubs can avoid that wild card game and they can win the central division, they're going to play a team probably like Washington in the first round. Um, and because the wild card team is going to get Los Angeles unless Washington has a huge second half. And I think that they could beat Washington. I actually make them the favorites. If you ask me, maybe, maybe like you said, Washington always chokes, but when are the Brewers going to slow down? They, they I don't know. I was waiting for them to slow down, but they've only won three of their last ten. So maybe this all-star break came at a bad time and kind of hurt their momentum a little bit. Uh, I still like them, though, to challenge you know, the Cubs all the way through the wire. Um, but if I had to put money on it right now, then I would say the Cubs, they're going to find a way and win the Central by a game or two, and it's going to come down to the last week or so. And that's what's so important about these September games and the way that the NHL makes the, uh, the NHL, excuse me, the MLB makes the schedule is they have all these division games in September. And the Cubs get to play four games in the last week of the season against Milwaukee. And then Milwaukee has to play Cincinnati and St. Louis. Uh, early in the month, it's Milwaukee and the Cubs for three games at Wrigley Field. So it's it's all going to come down in that division to those head-to-head games in September. The Cubs have been there before. The Cubs still have the pitching. I think that they're going to be the team that comes out with it. But, of course, Milwaukee's way ahead of anywhere I thought they would be coming into the season to be able to even be in the conversation with Chicago. Absolutely, and you also got to talk about Arizona in that wild card game. You got to assume they're not going to pass the Dodgers, even with their fairly new injuries here. The D-backs have been a nice team this year. They've been one of my favorite teams to watch and bet on. Um, you got to give the D-backs some love, especially they can get a home game at Chase Field. Well, that's the other thing that you could bring up. You talk about the D-backs. If the Cubs were to get caught by Milwaukee, Milwaukee right now is only three games. It looks like three, uh, about four games behind Arizona. I wonder if Milwaukee would be able to slide in past Arizona. They're 56-42 and 42 right now. They're a game behind Colorado. Um, I think, though, that it's all set up where three teams from the West are going to make the playoffs. Colorado and Arizona are going to be having that one-game playoff, and that'll be interesting because you like Arizona, I like Colorado, but you've got a guy like Zach Greinke who's going to start a playoff game, possibly in, Car- in uh, Colorado. So the Rockies are going to have the home field, but Arizona's going to have the dominant ace pitcher. That's going to be a really fun wildcard game if you ask me to watch in the National League, and that's what we look like we're headed for. Yeah, who would have ever thought Arizona and Colorado would be the teams that you keep watching, but those series have been huge, and they've been fun to watch as well. So anyway, like I said, trade deadline coming up in a week from today. We're going to be all over it next Monday night. Um, any other big trades to go down, we'll see. Um, but a lot of the bigger moves look like they've already happened. Uh, biggest names like we already talked about, maybe Sonny Gray, um, maybe you Darvish. Although if I'm the Rangers, I'm not so sure if I want to get rid of them yet. They're still possibly involved in that playoff race. They're you know two games under 500. Um, they're just a few games behind that wild card in the American League. He's gonna he's gonna leave. I get it, but he's the kind of guy that he gets hot and he pitches great down the stretch. He can get them into the postseason, and in the end, that's pretty much all that you're hoping for. Um, but that's baseball, and that's that's where we're at right now in the um, dog days of baseball. 
Um, like I said, hit Mike up if you have any fantasy questions, and he'll get back to you. Um, but we're going to get to the good part of the year coming up soon, which is the NFL training camp, like I said, starting this week. Vinny and I, we're going to break down the AFC West in a few minutes. Any of you guys out there that are fr- uh, fans of football or the Raiders or the Chiefs or the Broncos or the Chargers, Hey, get at us because we would love to hear from you guys, whether it's on Twitter or calling the show. We're going to break it down the best that we can in just a few minutes. Also coming up in a few minutes at about 820 is going to be Mike. He's going to have his rant. He's got a couple of words he wants to say, I believe, on the O.J. Simpson case. Another big story. And then, of course, UFC coming up uh, tonight. A lot, a lot of thoughts from Vinny on the UFC, and I know he's had a lot of dialogue with you guys on Twitter out there. He invited a couple of you guys to call in. Whenever you call in, I will put you guys on right through. It doesn't matter what we're talking about. I will stop it, and we will get to those calls. So give us a call whenever you get a chance, and we'll be back with you in just a few minutes on Over the Top Sports Radio. <laughs> I don't know why, it doesn't even matter how hard you try Keep that in mind, I'm designed just trying to explain in due time All I know, time is a valuable thing Watch it fly by as the pendulum swings Watch it count down to the end of the day The clock kicks life away So unreal, didn't look out below Watch the time go right out the window Trying to hold on, didn't even know I wasted it all just to watch you I kept everything inside and even though I tried, it all fell apart What it meant to be will eventually be a memory of a time I tried so Monday night, July 24th at 8.15 is Robbie Jr. with you and uh, Vinny the Shark with you tonight. Big Mike with the night off. And we're going to hear from him, though, in just a few minutes. He's going to give us a couple of words he has in mind. But right now, a quick check at our MLB scoreboard. They're in Philadelphia, the Astros and the Phillies. It's kind of a uh, not not that close of a matchup, and it's playing out the way we thought it would be. It's uh, 3-1 Houston in the third. Uh, the Athletics, they're in Toronto. It's a 1-1 game there in the bottom of the fourth. Reds and Indians tied at one in the top of the fifth. In the top of the fourth, it's Kansas City 1, Detroit nothing. The Orioles up 1-0 on the Rays. They're also in the top of the fourth and uh, just getting underway. And St. Louis, the Rockies and Cardinals scoreless. And in the top of the first, it's Marlins with a 2-0 lead on Texas. Uh, we touched about it in the opening segment. One game final already. The White Sox with a 3-1 victory over the Cubs. Braves and Diamondbacks, Red Sox at Mariners, Twins at the Dodgers, Mets at Padres, and the Pirates at the Giants later on tonight. And while we wait for Big Mike, uh, Vin, 
Uh, your Yankees, big road trip. Uh, they hadn't won a series, and it seems like I think it was six weeks. So I think ten straight series without a win. Yesterday was the big. Yesterday was the big game. If they lose, they're five and five on the road trip, and it's so so. If they win, they not only win the series, but they win six out of ten on the road trip. That's huge. A huge win yesterday for them, and Clint Frazier doing the job in Seattle. Yeah, it was nice. They took three of four in Seattle. They finally snapped that dreadfully brutal 10-series losing streak. Uh, leaves them two and a half games behind the Red Sox and one game behind in the loss column of them. Uh, and they're one game ahead of the Rays, but two games ahead in the loss column. And they have a big-time weekend series here. They have a home stand against the Reds and then a four-game series against Tampa. And those are the two wild-card teams. So we'll see what the Yanks have in store for them. If they could win both these series, they'll get back on track and maybe solidify themselves in that first wild-card spot, maybe even – catch up to Boston a little bit as they're going to Seattle now. Uh, also, Aaron Judge, two home runs, also hit a monster home run that was apparently impossible to measure. No one could get a measurement on it, but he hit a bomb and almost knocked it out of Safeco Field. Did you see that, Rob? I saw it. It was a crazy shot. I mean, I wasn't watching the game. I'm watching the Braves, and all of a sudden my phone starts blowing up. Two different group chats, another individual text, everybody, stuff I can't even say on the radio about this home run. Uh, right, immediately I had to take a look, and it was a very impressive shot. It's The fact that it was only 440 feet to me was, sounded like a little bit off, but I guess that's that cast for you. But, yeah, that was an impressive home run, Ben. Yeah, I'm actually surprised it was only 440. I didn't even know that until now. It was, like, impossible to find the tape measure the whole night. They were like, oh, we can't make the thing broke. But uh, 440, who knows where it would have ended up if there was nothing there. Maybe that stopped uh, the shot, you know? Who no, I, the guy made the catch. I mean, it, it's funny because last week I talked uh, very, very quickly at the end about Bob Wolf, and one of the talks that I always had with Bob and that everybody talked about was he saw the longest home run ever hit, you know, Mickey Mantle outside of Yankee Stadium. When I always talked to him about his biggest – um, the bit, the, one of the great things he ever saw, and he said Mickey Mantle was the best player he ever saw in his career uh, broadcasting, and he said that that home run out of Yankee Stadium was no joke. He witnessed it. So, uh, Judge, he might be the next guy to do it. Uh, unfortunately, Bob won't be able to see it, but we all will, and we can uh, really appreciate what he did. But um, we got I Big Mike YouTube finally on the line run. here, and, uh, Mike, I'm going to give you the floor. I hope you're enjoying the Matt Martin Foundation outing and, uh, and uh, having some bowling and uh, doing it for a good cause. Hey, what's up, boys? Uh, yeah, calling in from the Matt Martin Foundation. Awesome guy, as you know, Rob. This week's rant is on O.J. Simpson, guys, as uh, as I told you. It's on O.J. Simpson being granted parole and the ridiculous coverage that it received. On Thursday, Simpson was granted parole and will be released this October after serving nine years of a 9- to 33-year sentence for an armed robbery in Las Vegas, in which O.J. claims he was simply trying to retrieve family heirloom and sports memorabilia that had been taken from him. The state of Nevada and a jury, though, saw it a tad different. They actually found him guilty of leading a pack of armed men into the Palace Station Hotel and Casino, putting a gun to a sports memorabilia dealer's head, and then stealing back his personal items. Along with those items, though, they also stole Pete Rose signed baseballs and Joe Montana items. At the parole hearing itself, O.J. was his charming and joking self. O.J. explained that night at the hotel... His version, though, he never pointed a gun at anyone, and the people he was with were the ones that pointed the gun, stole the other items, and also stole a Blackberry. He talked about he planned on returning all the memorabilia that wasn't his. He told the guys, go bring that that Blackberry back. OJ didn't make excuses at the hearing, but at the same time, he minimized his role every second that he got. He showed very little remorse, if any. OJ told the board, quote, I'm not a guy that's lived a criminal life. I've basically lived a conflict-free life. 
And yes, Virginia, there is a such thing as Santa Claus. Not many people know this, but O.J. Simpson in his lifetime has been arrested six times as a teen for either fighting or stealing beer. There's mixed reports. 1989 for spousal battery of his wife, Nicole Brown. 1994, the murder that we all know about. 2000 for road rage. 2002, he was speeding his boat through a manatee zone. And 2007 for this assault robbery and kidnapping was the other charge. As you can see, very conflict-free. The preliminary numbers on the um, sorry guys. The preliminary numbers: 13.5 million watched the parole hearing this past week. Networks such as ESPN, NBC News that broadcasted it anticipated much higher numbers. They were hoping for numbers closer to the 150 million viewers that watched the not guilty verdict, or the 95 million viewers that watched the slowest police chase in history as OJ famously drove his Bronco down the 405 freeway in LA. O.J. will walk out of prison, a free man this October, never having shown much remorse for anything he's done. I guess you, when you literally have gotten away with murder, you don't have to be remorseful, and you gain a sort of arrogance. O.J. will live a comfortable life, $300,000. That's how much he'll make a year just for his NFL pension. There's been reported a $4 million savings in the bank for O.J., and he's already signed on to do tons of autograph signings. Perhaps he'll even write a book. Or maybe ESPN can hire him and pair him with Ray Lewis for Monday Night Football, as I'm sure the two have a ton to talk about. And that's the rant, boys. <laughs> well done, as always, Mike. Yeah, it's crazy, the insane coverage. O.J. Simpson's the ultimate celebrity in this world. Anything O.J. attracts the attention of everybody. It's insane. Anything O.J. And it was funny because uh, he just went in there like he didn't give a crap. And it's like he just knew he was going to get granted his parole. And he, yeah, he was on and around. And the things you were saying was making me go outrageous. Oh, he's never used a weapon before. He's not the type of guy that would ever do any of this crap. He's always in the news for bad shit. So it was just like I couldn't believe everything that was coming out of his mouth. And, of course, I, was, I actually wasn't surprised he got parole. I was kind of expecting that. But here we are, another uh, after all the coverage of OJ, ESPN did like a six-episode thing on the trial. Everybody knows every detail of the trial. FX made their thing. OJ is the biggest star in the world, and that's the bottom line. And who knows? Maybe he's going to join the Kardashians with another reality show because everything OJ is money now. Yeah, Mike, I think you hit the nail right on the head. And uh, hope you're having a good time over at that Matt Martin Foundation bowling outing. And uh, I'm sure all the sponsors will appreciate you guys in your lane uh, throwing out such good money to a good cause. Uh, Do you have any final thoughts before we let you go? No, that's about it, man. I haven't prepared anything else. You have my fantasy guys. Uh, Twitter, we killed it this week. We have a ton of guys asking these questions. So anybody listening, hit us up on Twitter. We usually get back to you within the hour. And I will talk to you boys later. I have to go bid on a Team Mussolini Anaheim Duck jersey. All right. Well, thank you, Mike. Uh, Always great to hear from you. And next week, Mike will join us uh, from the top of the hour all the way through the end of the hour and uh, all week long on Twitter giving out good advice and answering questions. So that's Big Mike um, with his rant of the week on O.J. Simpson. And uh, that guy's a a star. No matter what happens, that guy's going to be top of the news. And I think that it's been 23 years since that June night where he was in the chase in the Bronco. Um, One of the biggest stories I grew up watching as a kid in sixth grade uh, and it broke up the NBA Finals, so not much can do that. And it was O.J. Simpson. And uh, here he is 23 years later, making the top of the news and making it on over-the-top sports radio. Um, but now I want to shift gears to O.J. Sport, Vin, which is NFL, and uh, a division that he uh, got pretty acquainted with when he was playing, and that's the AFC West. We threw a poll out there on Twitter this week. We asked you guys to vote on what you wanted to hear us talk about. 
for our first preview of the year. And uh, training camps open this week. Uh, don't forget, we have our fantasy football preview show August 14th, a full hour wall-to-wall coverage of everything fantasy football. And uh, that's coming up to you August 14th, just in a few weeks from now, as everybody gets ready for their drafts. But, Vin, I'm going to start with the Raiders, and that's only because I think the Raiders are going to win the AFC West this year. Uh, I think they're going to go 11-5. Uh, Derek Carr coming off of his horrible late-season late leg injury. Um, he's got Marshawn Lynch, who I think has a lot left in the tank. He's rested. He's got a ton to prove. Um, I'm a little bit worried about their defense, but they have the great wide receivers, all the weapons on offense. Uh, Derek Carr really has to go out there this year and uh, prove that last year wasn't a fluke and build off of it. Um, like I said, defensively a little bit worried. They have a little bit of trouble stopping the run um, and a very young secondary. But um, I think a lot of people have them in the AFC Championship game. I'm not sure I'm ready to put them there yet. I see them going 11-5, and five, maybe winning a playoff game here or there. I don't see them going to the AFC Championship game, but um, I definitely can see them winning the division title. Uh, where you're at on uh, Oakland and the Raiders. Well, first let me tell you where Vegas is at. They agree with you. They think they're going to win the division. Uh, the Raiders are plus 150 odds. And they have the best Super Bowl odds at plus 1,200. I'm with you. I don't think they're AFC championship. Uh, but I'm also a little concerned about Carr. It's only his third season. He just got signed to a big-time deal. And he's coming off a leg injury. So you don't really know if you could buy into this guy yet. But he was an MVP caliber quarterback last year. I'm um, also concerned about Marshawn Lynch. They've lost Latavius Murray. And Lynch is a 31-year-old retired while well, coming out of retirement running back. He took a year off, clowning around all year. And now he's back uh, at his home in Oakland. So I'm a little concerned about that. But I love their wide receiver core, uh, Cooper Crabtree. They just signed Corderell Patterson. So they got a lot of weapons over there in terms of that. Khalil Mack is a stud. Uh, I still think the Raiders are the best team in this division. I do think Carr will bounce back. Uh, they did stack up a little bit defensively in the draft. So I, I like the Raiders. Uh, they were 12-4 and four last year. I'm going to give them – I like the 11-5 and five mark, Rob. Uh, Over-under for team win is 10. I would take the over on that. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm going to go the over, too. So we both have an 11-5. We both have them winning division. Um, second place in the division, um, I don't know where the odds are at. I haven't done any of this. That's why you're the bookie. I'm going to ask you for the odds on the Chiefs. Give me your assessment, and then I'll respond. Okay, the Chiefs had the third best odds to win the division at plus 250. Okay, do you have them second odds, or third place for yourself personally? I think second place. Okay. Uh Super Bowl odds plus 2,500, and their over-under is set at nine, which is a pretty fair spot for them, I think. And what do you see them going uh, this season? Give me your assessment on the Chiefs heading into the 2017 season. All right, I think their offense stinks, and I think they made a ridiculous trade at the draft for Patrick Mahomes. Do you remember the trade? Yeah, of course. The, they traded with the Bills for the number 10 pick. They gave up their own number 27 overall pick. Then they give up a third-round pick, and then they give up their first-round pick next year just for that number 10 pick to take Patrick Mahomes after the quarterback they just had won 12 games for them last year. But uh, their offense really stinks, not only just because of Alex Smith, even though he was a winning quarterback for them last year, but they also lost Jamal Charles, who I know is aging and is getting really uh, banged up and injured all the time. But they also lost Macklin, and their receiving core is, is poop. That's what it is. It stinks. Well, what do you have them? Uh, do you have them over or under? I'm going to go under, but not by much. I'm going to go eight and eight for the Chiefs. All right, I could see them actually winning ten games, and here's why: Andy Reid and Alex Smith—they're both regular season winners. They've always been regular season winners. I don't know how Alex Smith has always done it. He did it in San Francisco. He's done it in Kansas City. 
he does it without throwing touchdowns to wide receivers. It's like he does it magically. Uh, Tyreek Hill gives him a lot of speed. I think he's going to help them on special teams, help them on the outside, open up the field a little bit. Uh, but they have such a solid defense. Playmakers like Houston and Barry, those guys are elite players. They always have a great home field advantage. Um, they have Travis Kelsey that can, you know, open up the middle of the field for them and then have uh, Tyreek Hill go wide and maybe Spencer Ware, Spencer Ware going for three yards a pop just to keep the defenses honest. I don't know how Alex Smith does it. I could see this team actually getting up to 10 games. They might be able to steal the division from Oakland, but I think they'll be in the wild card hunt instead. So I'm going to go over uh, with the Chiefs at 10 wins, um, which leads us to the last two game, uh, teams in division. I thought the Chiefs would be the second team in the odds. So, Vinny, who is the second-best team uh, according to the odds makers right now? The Denver Broncos at plus 210, favorite to win a division. Super oh. Bowl odds plus 2,200. And their eight and a half is their set for their total win total, according to oddshark.com. Well, I have them as an easy under there, actually. Uh, then the defense is the backbone of that team. Um, but I think that defense is going to start falling off a little bit. They're starting to get a little bit older, a little bit slower. They've been leaned on so heavily the last couple of years. Um, but mostly they don't have an established quarterback. I don't care what you say. You're not winning without one. Uh, the Raiders and the Chiefs and even the Chargers are on the upswing in that division. Um, uh, they have Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. They're two top receivers in the game, but they're wasted talents right now in, in Denver. Uh, new head coach, subpar offensive line. They can never run the ball well. You never know who their running back's going to be. Um, I don't, I don't think they're going to be enough. I don't even see them getting 500 this year. We have Jeff Nelson on the line. We have who? Jeff Nelson. Jeff Nelson? Yes. Aaron Judge and Yankees. All right, well, we're going to stop our preview real quick. We're going to talk Aaron Judge and Yankees with Jeff Nelson. Uh, what's going on, Jeff? How are you doing? Excellent. Next, what you got to say? Hard to hear you. Go ahead and say that again. No, so Aaron Judge and the Yankees, um, everybody talked about how Judge was going to you know, be a downfall by going into the home run derby. Uh, he seemed to shut those pundits up this weekend, huh? Yeah, you know, you know, he's never going to be able to keep up the pace that he was doing in the first half, and Honestly, I watch, you know, I'm a pitcher, so I watch these guys take BP, and every single hitter will tell you that they basically do a home run derby their last couple rounds. Their last rounds of batting practice, they're always trying to take it out, so they really don't change their swing. If you notice what Judge did during the home run derby, he was going out the other way, so he never really changed his approach or changed his swing to, you know, mess it up. But, you know, he started the, the second half, what, one for 17 in the first day. It was kind of funny. That was like 20 feet in Boston. And the thing that you love about Aaron Judge is that he, he has the same demeanor, same same approach to everything. He smiles. You know, he, was, he knows he was one for 17. And the media and everybody makes such a big deal out of it because of the first half that he had. And then he comes back in the second half. He was in Boston. Jackie Bradley Jr. robs him of a home run. Uh, but then he goes to Seattle and he and when he starts kicking it in again, it's just a, it's just the elements for baseball. This is what happens through 162 games. Everybody is going to go through a slump, no matter who you are. Obviously, because he who he is, how big he is, the home runs, the you know the length of home runs that he's hitting, and he plays for the Yankees, and the Yankees are in the playoff hunt. So everybody everything's magnified. This kid is unbelievable. He's a very humble kid. And I think the most important thing is that he can overcome adversity. And that's the most important thing for young players is when they struggle, how do they get out of it? Yeah, you can't expect him to be, 
you know, red hot 162 games. But let me ask you this, Jeff. How would you pick him? Well, the one thing that you would do is you hope you would get the inside corner of the plate. You have to pick him in because you have to try to establish the inside part to open up the outside part. So I would throw him fastballs in, and then I would throw my slider away and hopefully that he would swing at it. But I would start him off with breaking pitches and then try to mix in a few hard fastballs inside and go back away again. And that's the only way you're going to have success against him. If you can't establish the inside part of the plate and prove to him that you come in and get him off, but not only come in to get him off, but also come in to throw strikes and then go away again and expose the outside part of the plate. He's a, he's a belt-high fastball hitter, Anything, and even a breaking ball. If you hang a breaking ball, he's going to crush it as well. But he's not a, he's not a low-ball hitter or a high-ball hitter. He's like thigh-high to belt. So if you keep it out of that zone and you get lucky, then you might be able to get him out. All right, Jeff, you know a thing or two about good bullpens. Yankees made another move last week to help solidify this bullpen. What do you think of this uh, 2017 edition of the bullpen? Well, it, you know, it reminds me, of, uh, well, obviously now the relief pitching and, and bullpens have become more important over the last 10, 12 years before uh, because the pitch count becomes so important and starters don't go deep in the game. Almost a complete game is non uh, non-existent. So what you need to do is you try to have to try to shorten the game. And what the Yankees have done is they shorten the game by adding by adding Finley. Robertson's now back at the Yankee. You have Dylan Batanzas and now Chapman, even Adam Warren down there. You have five guys to go to and try to complete a game. So if you're starting pitching, all, all they have to do is five or six innings, and the game is over. They're back to it. So with that happening. The Yankees have a great shot at getting to the playoffs, and not just getting to the playoffs, but even going further. All right, well, Jeff, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate the insight, and I hope you uh, hope you enjoy the second half of the season. And thanks for joining okay. us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. All right, Jeff Nelson, obviously the great. Former pitcher on the New York Yankees World Series winner joining us here on Over the Top Sports Radio. Um, good get by Goon. Um, had a couple of good things to say. I'm sure, Vinny, you enjoyed his insight as well. And like he said about that bullpen, that bullpen's going to be real different in the second half. Yeah, absolutely. What a great call by Jeff Nelson. Great, great hearing from that guy. I loved him when I was younger. Great part of the 90 Yankees. Yeah, he was one of those guys that beat my Braves all the time. But uh, definitely a good guy, and uh, thank him for coming on once again. Um, but real quick, let's finish up with this AFC preview because I really want to get into the AFC, um, to the UFC stuff at the bottom of the hour. So, uh, like I said, I had the Broncos in the under. I don't really like the quarterback situation. Rookie coach, bad offensive line, not a running back that I could trust. I have them at six and ten, maybe seven and nine. Where are you at with them? I'm gonna go with the under of eight and a half too. Uh, they're usually a very, very good home team. The Broncos. They're a five and three. I know that's a solid record, two and four in the division, but I do see them on the decline. They have no quarterback. Their running backs are both injured, C.J. Anderson. They picked up Jamal Charles. I don't really trust Denver this year. So they can't hold down home field. They're not going to be that good of a team. Don't trust Simeon. Don't trust Paxton. Don't trust Chad Swag Kelly, who they picked with their last round pick. And finally, the Chargers. I'll give you my take real quick. I'll let you get into the odds and your take, and then we'll go to break. Um, I feel the same way about the Chargers as I do about the Broncos, except the Chargers have the quarterback. If Phillip Rivers was on the Broncos, I'd think a lot differently. I could see them winning 10 games but he's not. Instead, he's in L.A. with the Chargers. Um, 
He still has a ton of weapons. Uh, let's hope and see that uh, Keenan, ah, if Keenan Allen can play 16 games, they have the Williamses with him as a wide receiver core. Uh, Melvin Gordon broke out last season, uh, two pass-catching tight ends, one of them the greatest of all time. So the skill possessions are set. Uh, Joey Bosa should help that defense play better. Um, tough division. Uh, Anthony Lynn's got his work cut out for him as a first-year coach there. I could see them also at a 7-9 area. I'm going to see them finishing a game above – the Broncos, if not tied, I have them at seven and nine. Seven and nine, that's a solid uh, spot right there, Rob. Uh, plus six hundred on the division for the Chargers. Uh, seven and a half is their win total, so seven is a nice spot for them. Uh, plus seventy five hundred to win the Super Bowl, so odds are they are not going to do that. But uh, goodbye, Qualcomm Stadium. That we're going to be playing in a thirty thousand seat soccer stadium. It's be interesting to see the Giants play there as well. Uh, Philip Rivers has been sacked the most. He's been the most sacked quarterback. The last couple of years, they took three offensive linemen in the draft, so they're looking to fix that. And they also took uh, Mike Williams in the first round, very talented receiver out of Clemson. Seven's a pretty fair spot, so I'm going to take the under on them as well. I'm going to go with you on the seven to nine. Anthony Lynn, the former Bills offense coordinator, taking over as head coach. And they still got the ageless wonder, Antonio Gates, who I'm sure will still deliver for you fantasy football players out there and never be afraid to take Antonio Gates. But I'm going to go Chargers six and ten or seven and nine. All right, so we pretty much agree on a lot of the division. We both have the Raiders there. My player to watch in the division is Derek Carr. He's the biggest guy in that division. If he comes back and he's on his game, the Raiders are going to win the division. They're going to have a chance to maybe win a game or two in the playoffs. A lot of people think even further. Um, Chargers on the upswing, Broncos on the downswing for me. Um, any of your thoughts, if you guys agree, disagree, want to talk anything, give us a call, give us a tweet at Over the Top Sport, um, and we'll talk about that. But when we come back, a huge week in the UFC, and I know that Vinny has a lot to say about that, and he's got a lot of people waiting to talk to him about it. So we're going to turn it over to him with the UFC. We'll be back with you in just a minute on Over the Top Sports Radio. You're listening to Over the Top Sports Radio Show. on Over the Top Sports Radio. I'm your host, Robbie J.R., along with Vinny the Shark. Um, 
Big Mike with the day off, but Big Mike doing his job all week long on the social media, and then tonight helping us get Jeff Nelson on the line. Um, great spot from him, but we've talked about UFC all week long. We've talked about it on social media, a lot of good discussions, a lot of good debates. Uh, Vinny, last week on the air, you said that you thought Weidman was going to lose. I thought he was going to win. Listen, I don't win many many fights on UFC, especially many arguments, so I'm going to brag a little humble brag here a little bit. I had it. You were anti-Weidman. Um, but I thought he'd win in his hometown. It looked bad for him at the end of the first round. And, and Vinny, I think if that round had another 30 seconds left, maybe he doesn't win that fight. Yeah, he completely rebounded. I thought for sure he was going to go down. Obviously, yes, I picked Gasolum. I was all about him. Uh, but after the first round, he was saved by the bell, Weidman. Let me tell you, he was about to go down. He was literally saved by the bell. But uh, he rebounded and got on top of Gasolum. That's all he had to do because Gasolum couldn't do anything with Weidman on top of him. And the All-American prevailed, and he was on a three-fight losing streak, and he was able to come out on top. I thought if he lost this, he would have been maybe seeing his last fight that night. Well, that's what I was going to say, is that win probably kept his career alive. I mean, he had such a good start to his career. Three years ago, he hit the apex, uh, one of the biggest wins that you could ever have, beating Anderson Silver, beats him again in the rematch, wins the belt. Uh, Three straight losses, like you said, but then at least he got a, a... you know, maybe it's even his last win to get that home win at uh, Nassau Coliseum in front of his fans. Um, anything else about this past weekend that stood out to you as we uh, start looking forward to UFC in Anaheim this coming weekend? Well, you know, it was a pretty good show over there at Nassau Coliseum. Uh, I was surprised Weidman A uh, was on the regular fight night because I thought he was still a pay-per-view draw, but I guess that was more of a reason why I thought he was going to lose because he was heading on the decline. But I'm really pumped for UFC 214 this Saturday night. I think it's going to be a great event couple of really good fights out there. Uh, I don't think there should be any upsets, but I'm sure there is. There usually is. But for the most part, I'm riding all the favorites. A couple of interesting fights. Uh, I think the Robbie Lawler-Cerrone uh, match is going to be absolutely steal the show. If anyone hasn't seen Chris Cyborg fight, this chick is amazing. She's going to dominate. She has humongous odds, minus 1680. So just enjoy the show on that one. Wait till you see this chick go. Tyron Vin- Woodley is fighting. And Vin- yeah, what's you- up? You talked all week with Randy uh, on Twitter, uh, Randy Tron, WBB from Twitter. He said he'd give us a call, and he kept his word. So, uh, Randy, you're on with Rob and Vinny. Uh, but it's all you and Vinny about UFC, so I'll let the two of you go at it. But what you got on your mind? Nice, man. How's it going? And uh, first time tuning into the show. I like it was uh, some good stuff, some good football stuff. I don't know if I agree Marshawn Lynch is any type of upgrade for the Raiders, but that's for another day. But anyways, um, yeah, great week in the past weekend. Chris Weidman taking care of business, as I guaranteed he would. It was easy money. I don't see how anyone could have possibly went the other way. It's just <laughs> come to a point with, with UFC fighters. Talent, obviously, is first. But when people are of a similar talent, size like that just cannot be beat. It's, it's, Gaslam had a shot there. He did rock him. I was a little nervous for a bit, but... Yeah, I'd be pretty rag, nervous there, Randy. He, he the bell. Let's not let's not say it was a wash, you know. He not he got the job done in round three, but he was saved by the yeah. bell round one. Yeah, it's just Gaslam. He's a great guy at 170. I think he's a top three guy, maybe a champion at 170. But he's only at 185 because he's lifestyle wise, he's just he's a pudgy little guy. And if he makes some changes, he really could be a contender at 170. But 185, the top five guys there are just really can fight at light heavyweight. They're that big. Yeah, I get you. That makes, that's a good point. What do you think about the event coming up here, 214? Well, it's like the Super Bowl of MMA for me right now. I mean, I'm just praying the card stays together, and I'm a huge jinx with that, so we won't talk about it. But um, I heard, you know, just before it came on, that you liked a lot of the favorites. I love Jones. Um, love Jones. 
he's in a league of his own, and he uh, take the layoff, everything, you know. It's you don't think he'll be shaky? He's a freak athlete. I think when he came in, he looked bad against OSP because OSP, and especially at that time where he fought him, seemed very, very dangerous. And I think we've learned that he's really not as good of a striker as he looks. But he's, he's a big, long, rangy, strong guy. So I think he fought kind of tentatively there. I think with DC this time, the only way I can see this fight making it the distance is if John can't control his emotions. Um, his interview was really weird on Saturday, and and he's always been kind of a jerk for. I, I and they're really a, selling they're really selling this fight on his uh, out of the octagon problems going on here. They're yeah, really making I it think, seem like he's the big comeback. He's clean. He's ready to get his life on track, kind of thing. Yeah, and I know he's trying to embrace it but at the end of the day i mean that's gonna annoy him being kind of having his reputation splattered around that much and you can only embrace it so much but so i just hope the anger you know doesn't overcome him and he can use it to his advantage i think a, a prime example of someone that emotion overcame them was when donald cerrone fought nate diaz way back and cerrone just didn't even fight like himself because he was so bought into diaz's game and i just worry that Jones might be going a little overboard here, but I still think he finishes it. And I'm actually going to submission. Uh, and, and that's about plus 500 right now for a submission. That'd be interesting. Yeah, wow. And what do you think about the over-under for that fight? They think it's going to go the distance, it looks like. Four and a half. The over is minus 180. The under is plus 140. I don't think it's yeah, going to go the whole thing. Yeah, I don't either. Um, you know, I kind of, you know, based on Jones and how Jackson Wink has turned him into a point fighter as of late and DC being the underdog I see why they think it's going to go the distance I would have hoped it was a little better odds to take that under I I may take it still but I do think I like you know maybe taking them by KO which I think is a little better odds and submission for small little pieces I, I don't know which one I want yet but I just don't know if 147 is what I have here is enough yeah, I've seen 140, right but at, even at four and a half in a five uh, five round fight, you just got that's pretty juicy. You pretty much you had the whole entire match. Just don't go the whole thing, you know. Don't go the last yeah, minutes, thirty seconds. Yeah, and especially with a freak like him, I mean, it's gonna be hard not to take. I mean, I like I like Jones to finish it. Um, I just wish those were a little better. Maybe they move a little bit during the week. I can't imagine much. Um, but he's the only favorite I love and uh, for me I'm a little different than the MMA world for handicapping I kind of bet like an average person does I mean some of these handicappers take every fight and they're putting 10 units on everything I don't have that bankroll so I don't like to lay a lot on heavy favorites so that shows how much I'm confident in Jones um, not another favorite that I love on the card I don't think everyone kind of scares me a little bit I kind of like some underdogs so I, I think um, you like Cerrone over Lawler I do and it's Two things. Lawler is up there in fight miles. And he's up there in fight miles so much that he doesn't really spar hard ever in practice. And he's been off for a little over a year now. So not sparring hard in practice, being off for a year. I think he's going to experience some ring rust. And I don't think Cerrone is a good guy to have ring rust against. I mean, he's as crisp as they come striking. And I think he's a better guy on the ground. I mean, he's submitted a lot of guys. So at I see, like, plus 130. I, I like those odds for Cerrone, and I really do think he wins the fight. Lawler was always in that McGregor mix, but you think he's a little too rusty now with McGregor out of the uh, UFC for all this time? You think his shot at McGregor is over? Yeah, I mean, Lawler's had an up-and-down career, and he, he really, when he came back to the UFC this last time and, and became a champion, I think a lot of it was due to really changing how he trained. 
but he was staying active and he was in the ring and in the cage a decent amount. It's just too long off. I, I don't like him. He's not a freak guy like Jones. I think it's too long he's been off. And speaking of McGregor, we don't have to get into um, his big spectacle with Floyd Mayweather, but when he, after he gets knocked out by Mayweather August 26th, do you think he comes back to the UFC? And if he does, who do you think his best opponent would be? Yeah, McGregor uh, irks me for sure. I mean, I get it, following the money, but um, I think he comes back. I definitely do. I think deep down he's a competitor, and he needs the spotlight. And if he loses, then spotlight's not really going to be on him as much. Money's going to be in his pocket, but he's not going to have that spotlight. He's young. I think he'll be back, and I think he's going to angle for – like a Diaz again or someone like that. I don't think he, – he doesn't like defending his titles, obviously. He hasn't done it yet. And I, I don't think he wants a piece of Khabib or Ferguson, even though he says he might. So I see that as a way to uh, – they'll probably do Diaz and, and McGregor three, uh, unfortunately. I would actually love to see the Diaz fight again because that was the best fight I've ever seen. It was a great fight. I just – I hate the fact – his fanboys and everyone you deal with hypes them like this, you know, one of the greatest UFC guys ever talent wise. He, he very well may be out there, but his resume in the UFC, he hasn't even defended a title, defend a title. Then we'll start talking. Yeah, I'm with you there, but um, he's got uh, his mind on another thing and a huge paycheck, August 26th. So that's what he's got going on in terms of 214. Let's just talk about uh, Woodley's fight. I think Woodley gets the job done. I don't know how he's going to do it, but, I don't see him losing. He had a nice win his last fight. Let me get yeah, your thoughts on I, that. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't know if um, – I'm trying to think what the last line I saw was it, but I know he's a rather big favorite. I just – Woodley can be a very, very different fighter at times. And when he's on and he's confident, and I think he will be in this fight versus Maya because Maya offers nothing on the feet. He is a very good fighter, but some fights, like the second Stephen Thompson fight, you don't know who, like who that guy is in the cage. I think mentally he's a different guy. He's got some things going on upstairs there. Um, so I wouldn't put my money on him, but I do think at the end of the day he probably wins this one. Um, I, I'm still not sure how yet, though. I need to watch a little bit more you film on both of them before I'm going to think about even putting a wager in there. What about yourself? You think Woodley – is worth the bet, or are those odds too big for you? They're pretty big, but they're juicy enough for me. At least, uh, at least put uh, at least uh, go for the hundred for him. I think he, without a doubt, he's going to win. So if he's going to win, why not make some money off it? You know? Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, you know, I'll tell you who I like that I didn't think I'd like this morning. So I've, I've flip flopped a few times, and maybe I flip flopped before I officially put out my picks. But um, I like Volcan, and I always butcher his last name Uzdemir at plus one fifty versus Jimmy Manawa. Um, and I don't know your thoughts on that, and I would love to hear them, but why, you know, I watched a ton on both of these guys, and it just seems like Manawa is so one-dimensional, and when people bring the fight to him, like Alexander Gustafsson did, and Anthony Rumble Johnson, and Johnson's a different monster, I understand that, but when they bring the fight to him and don't allow him to be the aggressor and take the cage, that he struggles, and I think... Uh, Uzdemir has very good stand-up. He mixes in some kicks, which is something that Manoa does nothing of. And I just see myself having Volkan test his chin at some point during this fight, and I don't think Manoa's chin is that great either. So I like him at plus 150, and I think I like him by TKO at, like, plus 265 right now. Hey, I think you sold me, man. Sounds pretty good to me. 
So it sounds like you yeah. guys are giving me a bunch of stuff to bet on, and I don't even really watch the sport. So uh, I'm going to have to re-listen to this, write it out, and maybe make some money on it as well. But um, Exactly. And um, I have to run to my podcast. I appreciate you guys having me on. I will say one more person you might want to look at. Uh, Calvin Qatar is a last-minute fill-in against Andre Filé. Um, Filé, I, I, I literally butcher every name. But he's plus 295. He's a very good prospect out of the Northeast. I have some familiarity because I was up in Boston before I moved down here to sunny South Florida. Um, he really is a very, very solid guy. I can see him squeaking the upset there, especially on a short-notice fight. So someone maybe to put a little flyer on. All right, well, Randy, thank you. Randy, your blog, White Belt Breakdown. Everybody go out and give it a look, uh, give it a read, especially with the big event coming up this weekend. And we'd love to have you on again, so maybe we can break down uh, the event with you next Monday night. Definitely, man. I'll definitely be tuning in. Great stuff, guys. I'll talk All right, to you. All right, thanks so much for joining us. That's Randy Tron, like I said, from White Belt Breakdown, talking about some UFC with Vinny the Shark uh, on this Monday night, July 24th. Long Island last week, Anaheim next week. Uh, it's a big, big summer if you like, you're like you into fighting, boxing, UFC, and all that, and we always have it covered here. Uh, that's the great thing about having three hosts. We all have our own specialties, and Vinny's definitely the big guy in the UFC, so uh, definitely good to break down, and we'll do more of it as we go along. But, Vin, one thing I wanted to talk to you about, and I didn't want to let this show go off the air without talking about, is this Kyrie Irving thing. Uh, Derek Rose signs with the Cavs, um, leaves the Knicks, signs with the Cavs. Is that a sign that Irving may be on his, definitely on his way out, or is this just some posturing by Kyrie? Hey, that's good. It looks like they got their point guards, and now it's time to trade your other one that wants out. But uh, it depends what they get. You know what? I really don't. I just think that the Cavs don't want Carmelo, and I don't blame them. That's LeBron's boy right there. Go play with your boy. He loves playing with his friends, but he won't play with Carmelo. Get him over there. We have the pieces. We can get this trade done. I think the Knicks can offer the best package to the Cavaliers, and especially with them getting D. Rose, which is a nice signing for them. That's an 18-point uh, player, point-per-game player right there. The Knicks have so much to offer. They'll give a first-round pick. They have Carmelo. Carmelo's probably the best player you could package together. But, again, it's up to Melo, too, because he has a no-trade clause, so he has to waive that for the Cavs. I think they could realistically get this done. It's just a matter of if, if the Cavs want to get this done. And uh, then we turn our – we talked about UFC. We turned the tides to some sports betting. You already gave us. You and Randy talked a lot about a lot of bets you guys like this coming Saturday night. Uh, what else do you have in mind? What else do you uh, want to give us a couple of free plays or a couple of good bets as the week uh, starts to progress here? All right. So you got a couple of my UFC plays earlier. I'm going to go with the play tonight for everybody. The Twins and the Dodgers over of nine runs. Both teams have solid lineups. It's Ryu's first start off the DL. He's been in trouble with a bruised foot all season. And Bartolo Colon is as washed up as it comes. That fat slob might be his last start. Anytime he goes out on the mound, he's 44 years old. I expect a lot of runs in L.A. tonight. And also something to look forward to, uh, there's a boxing match this week that not a lot of people know about because it's a big UFC event. Adrian Broner versus Mikey Garcia. And they don't have an over-under yet on this, but look into it because Broner's got a chin. Mikey Garcia is 36-0 with 30 KOs, but Broner isn't going to go down. He's a hell of a fighter. He's very tough. So look into that over-under and take the over if it's not too outrageous. And I also want to take a look at Chris on Wednesday. It's going to be a Monday, a Wednesday matinee against the Mariners uh, on the road. It should be a little discounted. You know Chris Sale gets it done. You know I love betting Sale. So check him out on Wednesday. Is Sale your top pitcher in the league right now, or is it Scherzer now that Kershaw is out for the season, or at least till September? Sale. Definitely Sale. It's always Sale for me, except for He's- Kershaw, obviously. 
the big strikeout guy, huh? Uh, Yankees in Cincinnati, two games and then four games. Uh, Yanks in Tampa, they get the day off to rest here. Nice little homestand here. Uh, some teams that they really should be, the chance to fatten their record. Um, what, what's the big key for the Yankees this week? Just get those runs on the board, pitch well. Let's get six innings of starting pitching. I'm loving this bullpen right now. I think we have, we're going to win games at the sixth. I'm feeling confident. We got rid of Tyler Clipboard. Now we got Robertson, Delhi, Chapman. Let's just win in six, put up those runs, get the starting pitcher out, and let's watch this bullpen go to work. Well, I'm going to switch gears to NFL real quick because a little debate I have with a couple of well, a couple of people. I can't say a couple of people because not only one person would ever think this, but uh, somebody find me today, obviously a Cowboys fan, Dak Prescott, better QB right now than Eli Manning. He looked at last year's numbers, said last year's numbers, and win-loss record was better. Um, and he said he's a dual threat. Then what, what are your thoughts on this? Is this another case of somebody taking one season, one rookie year, and vaulting a guy a little bit too high in your rec- um at least on your rankings, or is this something that you think has some merit? I'm not buying into somebody who had a he's, – he's a short quarterback, and he had one monster year. I need to see more out of it. I need to see more out of Dak, and let's not compare him to a two-time Super Bowl MVP. Get out of town with that. It's too early for that. I, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I was hoping that he would call in, but we got a little bit caught up with Jeff Nelson calling and then, of course, Randy. But um, I agree. I mean, he was contending – you know, his contention is that what have you done for me lately? And, and Dak had the better record. But don't forget, Dak had the best offensive line and a great running game last year. Didn't throw the ball downfield as much and kind of just had to be more of a game manager. Not saying Dak won't be a decent quarterback. I don't really love him. But he certainly did better last year than I thought he would do. Um, and who but, beat him twice, Rob? But you can't sit here and tell me that he's better than Eli Manning, who beat him head-to-head both matchups. What team beat him twice? And he couldn't win, you know, he – he he had one season. And you're right. Eli beat him twice. Eli's won the two Super Bowls. Eli, listen, if you're going to go by statistics and fantasy, then Tony Romo is a better quarterback than Eli. But I guarantee you right now that Tony Romo would trade his entire soul and everything he has in the world to have had Eli's career over his fantasy football-laden career. And you could probably just, start a fire. You could start a war on Twitter with that as well, Romo versus Eli. I've been in that fight for years in my life. Well, you're not going to win it if if you think that a quarterback is is out there to win fantasy games, okay? Then then you're going to lose it. But if you're out there and realize what a quarterback's job is, and Eli, as the number one pick in the draft, did exactly what he's supposed to do. He's won two Super Bowl MVPs. He's been a winning quarterback. He's been more durable than anybody in league history other than his brother and Brett Favre. And he is one of the guys that when he leaves the NFL – Giants fans and NFL fans are going to be like, wow, you know, this guy wasn't as bad as you think, and they're going to really miss him, especially Giants fans, because when they have to start over, I don't care who they start with, whether it's a kid they drafted this year or somebody else in a couple years, Giants fans are going to miss Eli Manning, the ones that don't appreciate him, way more than they ever thought. For sure, 100%. Yeah, well, we have a lot of time to get into that, and uh, maybe next week we'll do an NFC's preview, and I invite, uh, I invite my buddy that wants to get into that discussion. He's a big Cowboy fan. He might... He might not like that uh, where we go with uh, our predictions, but call us in and debate it. We'd love to talk, obviously, with all of you guys about it anytime and uh, give us a call. Maybe we'll do NFC East next week, Vinny. we got uh, Big Mike coming back. It'll be a nice start. I'll be at Giants camp this Friday, so I'll have a tons of, ton of little nuggets there. I'll talk to a bunch of the guys. I'll get some sound for us. and uh, Let's do NFC uh, East next week, Big Ben. Yeah, man, let's do it. That sounds great. I'm always down with the NFC East. All right, so we just less than a minute left. Then uh, any final thoughts for you? All right, did you happen to catch that Michael Phelps racing a shark thing in the water? 
That I was saw the dumbest two thing minutes and turned it off. That CGI crap. You gotta be kidding me. You might as well just have him race Princess Leia. And how about Joanna Cespedes? Already talking about where he wants to finish his career, and it's not in New York with the Mets. He wants to go back to Oakland. He just signed a deal with the Mets this summer. He already doesn't want to stay with that team. The Mets are, once again, a laughing stock. I could go for 20 minutes on each of those, um, but you think that was a laughing stock last night? You should have watched the WWE pay-per-view, Van. That was even worse than the Michael Phelps thing. It makes me not want to buy a SummerSlam ticket anymore. That was just a terrible job by WWE, and they don't even have pyro anymore. They've been awful. Ioannis Cespedes, he's a joke. He's a typical guy that he can carry club at any point, but he's motivated too much by money. And once he got his long-term contract this past year, and he wasn't signed to one-year deals without, he's just been a dud. Nine home runs, 25 RBIs, that's barely more than I have. We'll talk to you guys next week on Over the Top Sports Radio. Check out our website at www.overthetopsportshow.com. Also, follow us on Twitter at Over the Top Sport, no S, and on Instagram at Over the Top Sports Show.